Nowadays, introducing the original Blood Clad Podcast not PS. Sold in semantic. Special dedication all the way from New York. Boom! Yeah, man, SWOT semantic. Yeah, man, oh. Boom! Sold in semantic. Yeah, man, Big ups to the man, yeah. Sold in semantic. So this is another episode of Soothing Semantics. I am your host, Rafi Pinsky. Today we have Aaron Novello on the show. Uh, Aaron is a fellow Keller Williams realtor, quite a successful one at that. He's been in the business quite a little bit longer than I have and uh, very excited to discuss a couple of things with you and hopefully the uh, listeners will gain a lot of knowledge whether they're in real estate or not. So Tell us a little bit about your upbringing and the differences in, in mindset that you had growing up and how things have shifted for you. Yeah. So um, what I'm aware of is my family of origin is very kind. They're nice people. Um, didn't really understand money or economics that well. And did the best they could under the kind of given set of circumstances that they had at their disposal. I never kind of went without, but uh, was very much so kind of on the brink, right? So the average uh, American United States makes about 65,000 bucks a year. And we fit into that category. And um, there wasn't really too much savings. And if something was to happen that came up unexpectedly, my dad would have to get a second job, maybe delivering pizzas to be able to kind of you know, take care of that. And in watching that, you know, the environment was very much so about like receiving income. You know, I kind of got this like unconscious uh, message that there was like a lack or there was Mm -hmm. not enough. Right. And that, um, you know, there was a very small percentage of the population who had a bunch and like most people didn't. And that was interesting in the sense of like, as I found the vehicle of real estate, because everybody needs to find a vehicle, right? Whatever that vehicle is that allows them to be able to earn, you know, enough money to be able to invest and do things of that nature to break that cycle. It was a shift of being like receiving income and creating income. You know, those were kind of different mindsets and also this difference between like spending money uh, on items versus like investing, Right. And recognizing that, you know, in the United States, there still is a lot of opportunity and there still is a lot of abundance. You have to own assets, though, in order to participate in the abundance. If you don't own assets, you're not able to participate. So, you know, that was kind of my initial experience. And those were some differences as far as thinking is concerned that as I began to earn more money, And as I began to kind of go down this path, uh, really with a focus on financial freedom and independence, the way I thought about money and and what I did with it, you know, changed. It makes so much sense. I I, I grew up with a very similar, similar upbringing in the sense where there was this notion of scarcity, right? Similar to what you're saying and this idea that, well, you have to keep working to earn. And there's no passive income was never an understand, never something I understood. And it's just real estate really has allowed me to open my mind to so many different streams of income. And the idea, like you said, that things are so abundant, but you have to be, you have to put yourself in that predicament to be able to receive those things. Right. Mm-hmm. So it's something that I'm, that I'm just, I've heard it countless times. And now that I've, I've been working on this for quite some time now, you know, understanding what passive income means and means and putting myself in a position to, to hopefully get that. Uh, So, you know, with that being said, what are some things that uh, you can expound on as far as success being simple and not easy necessarily with what we spoke about taken into account? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So it's simple not to be confused with easy. So in other words, like in our particular game, right? And really selling of anything, whether it's a house or a boat or, you know, equities or like whatever. um, It's a sales process. And as such, it must follow the same kind of sequence, which is A, is I have to prospect every day. 
A day not spent prospecting is a day not spent in business, right? That's a simple concept. I don't need an MBA to figure that out. I have to be in the presence of prospects on a regular basis, right? And people have all different like channels of prospecting. Some people try to do it via, you know, maybe social media or maybe paying for leads. Uh, some people do it kind of going directly to the consumer. That's how I chose to do it, you know, through mm -hmm. kind of um, telemarketing and using the telephone as a tool uh, to connect with people. But I have to prospect every day. And then I have to be, have the skill of being able to set appointments with people. Because I'm not sure if you've noticed, Rafi, that like, People don't just like when you call them, you're like, you know what? I was waiting for you to call me. Let's go ahead and come <laughs> over and list my house right now. They're like, no, you have to have the skill of being able to ask questions and give people a compelling reason to want to spend time with you. And that Can is you a imagine? skill. Can you imagine if they did though? If every, every time we called someone, they're like, Aaron, I've been waiting for you to call for months. Right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Whatever that lead list people, is. I, I think some people imagine that that's what it is. And it's not like at all. Right. Can so, I real quick? I think that's what I think that's what deters so many people from doing something like this, from working as a, as a realtor. Anyone in sales is they have this this uh, utopia, utopian idea that everyone's going to be so happy to talk to me and it's going to be so blissful. Ah, rejection. Nah. You know? Yeah. And that um, just because like, I don't know, you want something means that you're entitled to it. You're not. Sorry. <laughs> like on the Serengeti, when the lion is chasing the gazelle and, and it's a lioness because they do all the hunting. Right. And they're chasing the gazelle for like a mile, which is crazy hard for the lioness because she weighs like 150 pounds. It's super hot out. And the gazelle gets away, which happens nine out of 10 times, by the way. Because, that I didn't know. <laughs> because it's a difference of motivation, Rafi. The, gaz right. the, the gazelle's running for its life. The lion just wants to eat. So nine out of 10 times it gets away. And do you think the lioness looks up at the sky and is like, that's not fair. <laughs> I tried so hard. <laughs> and do you think mother nature's like, you know what? You did try hard. So Here here's go. a little baby cub for your efforts. No, that's not what happens. The lioness has two choices. Stop hunting and starve to death or go back to hunting again. And I think this mentality of recognizing that, like, you know, not imagining that just because you've declared it. I find that always interesting. I see these posts on Instagram. They're like, I'm going to manifest my 2021. It's like, okay, well, you're going to have to hunt a lot yeah. in order to hit your People goal live in definitely. dreamland. Everyone's got a motivational quote. Every other asshole uh, has some, oh, well, I'm going to do this. I'm going to do that. You don't do it, then you don't. Then it's not going to happen. It's it's very very simple concept. But everyone has this this cute little uh, idea, you know, just going into nature because it's funny that you mentioned this. I love watching videos of of uh, predators attacking prey. On a, it's yeah. fascinating. I can watch it for hours. I'll always get into my random moments where I'll just sit and watch different videos. I've gone through countless videos. Like there, I've seen. I've definitely seen hundreds already at this point. And it, yeah. because I tie it into human nature at the end of the day, we're all, we're all animals. We're an intelligent form of animal we're, you know. And I, I try to connect how in a sense it's very similar to us. You know, oh, it and is I'm, because like what I'm aware of, I told my daughter the other day, like I was on a run and I was like, uh, you know, this is still a jungle. Mm hmm. We've domesticated animals and we've domesticated, you know, like electricity and fire, but it's still a jungle. And as such, I have to equip myself with the knowledge of the land. And I have to be hunting on a regular basis. Yes, you do. That's 100%. the way nature works. So as far as like this idea of being simple, like I have to prospect, I have to set appointments. I have to know how to pre-qualify appointments. I, I have to know how to ask questions to find out what objections may come up when I see them. And if there's a high degree of probability that when I do meet with them, they're going to sign a contract. That is a skill, a thousand percent. And if you don't have that skill, the marketplace will fire you. You will go on appointments and waste your time. Within five minutes of sitting there, you're going to be like, these people aren't doing anything. And you got all excited, got all dressed up, like all kind of, you know, ready to go. And they're not going to do anything, right? Then you have to present. You have to have a very specific kind of plan 
that leads to a destination, which is getting a contract signed. You have to give them a compelling reason to choose you versus somebody else because everybody's grandma and uncle and cousin and sister has a real estate license. They have a lot of options to choose from. Then you have to be able to handle objections and close because they're going to ask you, they're going to say, Rafi, why should I choose you versus Aaron? How, how long is your listing agreement? What is the commission? My sister's an agent, right? They're going to ask all, they're going to object. And I have to have answers. I can't just look at like a deer in the headlights and be like, uh, mm -hmm. because I'm honest because I'll put your needs first. It's like, dude, that's lame, bro. If you don't have a competitive advantage, don't compete. I have to know what to say. Right. And then 100%. if it doesn't sell, I have to have the skill set of being able to, you know, lower the price and um, help people to self-discover that they need to do that. So simple, not to be confused with easy. If I was to sit in a room of a thousand people say, hey guys, how many of you guys want to make, you know, 200,000 bucks a year? They're like, ooh, ooh, me, me, me. I'm like, great. Here's the deal. Wake up at the same time every day. Get to the office at the same time every day. Get on the phone at the same time every day. Make phone calls for three hours a day. After you're done, practice for an hour, then go on appointments. And then I drop the microphone and leave. Now, people want it to be way more complicated than that, but it's not. The challenge is, is that it takes a lot of you know, discipline and a lot of structure to do that consistently over an extended period of right. time. Because so many things that can get in the way. So many, way that, so many things that can get in the way, which ties into the next conversation. First of all, the last three minutes of what you said was, <clears throat> was all worth the entire episode for me. Because it really, it's a, it's a verbal punch. It's a verbal punch in, in helping anyone, especially me, who's in, on you know, the newer side, in understanding the reality of it's, they're not, people are not going to just sign with you. People are not going to just choose to work with you because you have a nice smile or you, you're honest. They're going to sign with you because they see that you know what you're talking about and that you have a plan. There's a, you know, there are other things, but it's a lot more, you know, it's, it's a lot more than that. So I, I see that. I, I feel like I, I just, I see even agents that are newer than me coming in and I just feel like they're a little bit, I don't want to say red pill, blue pill here necessarily, but I think maybe you get what I'm saying. I do. You know what I mean? Where they're, they're ignorant to the, to the reality of what this well, is. Well, yeah. And I think that the main reason why people fail at any endeavor is because A, they don't understand what they actually got into. And B, they drastically underestimate the time, energy, and effort that's required in order to be very good at it. Right. So most people, like you have to keep in mind, in our business, there's an 80% attrition rate. 80% of the people who have a license right now, 80% of the people that are listening to this right now, if they're agents, five years from now, they will not be in the business. And that's not being negative. That's just an accurate assessment. That's what the attrition rate is. But I kind of like that. And the I question like is, is why though? Here's why. You have non-business people who have no sales background, getting into a direct sales business. No different than selling books door-to-door, -door, knives door-to-door, -door, or subscriptions over the phone. So when you couple that, no business background, no sales background, getting into a direct sales business, that is a recipe for an extremely high level of attrition. Does that make sense? 100%. But, but I'll be very honest with you, whether people like this or not, I like that it's like this because the strong survive. And if everybody was, if it was so easy... Everyone would do it. I mean, this is just, this is all cliche, redundant shit that I'm, that I'm saying now. But like, like how business works, I, there's no need to complicate this. The reason why it, it doesn't seem to work for so many people is because they don't know the reality of what it takes to do it. You know? Yeah, they're not clear um, on what it is. You know what I mean? They, they, they don't understand that this is the contact sport and contacts equals contracts. They don't understand that you're in the rejection business. I remember standing in front of a room of people and I was like, listen, I spoke to 7,000 people this year. I got 150 to say yes. <laughs> it's amazing. But that's 150 more than most. Right. Most, you know what I mean? It's, it's hold on. Uh, uh, okay. So now we were about a few sentences ago, we were discussing meaning we we're discussing the idea of how business is simple, not easy. You mentioned, you mentioned distractions. That's what I wanted to get into. You mentioned how it's so easy to get distracted. So delve into that, especially with social media. We can oh, go into yeah. a whole so, rabbit hole here. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So it's interesting in the sense that um, as an agent, you have a lot of people that are trying to tell you what they think needs to be done in order to be successful.
you have a lot of managers. And again, I mean this lovingly who have never produced at a high level, trying to teach you how to make money, which is ridiculous. It doesn't make any sense. So you're constantly being bombarded with what everybody's thoughts and opinions are. And in my, my experience was the first calendar year I sold real estate, roughly, I made 13,000 bucks. Not something somebody want to interview on a podcast, not something people would pay you to coach them, teach them how to do, right? Like not something people put you on a panel, right? right. The question is, is why? And the answer is, is I had an inaccurate assessment of reality. I was like that. I didn't understand what this was. I didn't understand what the game was. And I was being told all of these kind of information. So people were telling me to, you know, wear my name tag at the grocery store. People were telling me to sit open houses and wait. And I couldn't do that, by the way, Aaron. I couldn't do the name tag thing. To, uh, you know, farm like a geographic area. They were telling me these kind of mediocre tactics that produce mediocre results. That's why my input, my information. So if knowledge equals power, which I believe that that's true, it's applied knowledge. However, if that's true, I have to scrutinize the knowledge I'm operating under. Because what if I'm operating under the wrong information? So I was operating under the wrong information. And as such, I was getting this not good output, right? But then I got an accurate assessment. I understood what the game was and I understood where I needed to focus my time and energy and effort. So towards that end, we have all of these distractions. People are telling you, you got to be on social. And they're telling you, you got to build your influence. And then they're telling you this and you're telling you that, right? And what I'm aware of is, is that in our game, the most valuable thing that you can do is list property. It's the highest skilled activity. It has the most rejection. It's whoever uh, controls the listing. It's a difference between the employer and the employee. When I list the property right now, we're talking to each other. We have X amount of listings, 20 plus listings on the market. Somebody is showing them and writing offers as we speak. You cannot do that with buyers. So when I understood that all the leverage was on the listing side, it's like, aha, I should be spending time there. All of my time there. When I understood like, oh, this is a sales business. And because of that, I have to follow a sales process. I have to prospect. I have to do lead follow-up. I have to go on appointments. I have to pre-qualify those appointments. I have to handle objections and close. I have to present. Okay, I need to learn how to do that. And I need to learn how to do it at a very high level. Then I had this other awareness, which was that the money's not in the service, brother. It's in the selling of the service. So that doesn't mean people, we give people crappy service. No, the service is expected. They expect you to know what to say. They expect you to um, you know, return their phone calls. The money's not there though. The money is in the selling of the service. So if we were in a room full of people and I said, hey, we all have a real estate license, correct? Yes. That entitles us to perform the same services, correct? Yes. Do we all make the same amount of money? No. Nope. Why? Some people know how to sell the service better than others. So once I understood... The money's not in the service and the selling of the service. This is a sales business and all the leverage is on the listing side. And then the fourth thing I understood is I only get paid to do four things. Prospect, lead, follow up, go on appointments, negotiate. It's the only thing that pays you. Once I understood those four, I call them the noble truths of real estate. Once I understood that, I could harness and channel all of my attention and awareness and ability in those areas. And once I got that, it went from that, you know, 13,000 that first calendar year, second year, I did 17 deals. First, the third year, 50, the next year, 75, and then 89, and then 100, and then, and then all the way up to 200. Because I got this accurate assessment, I was operating under the correct information, and I was able to channel my time and energy and effort in the right place. And everything else was a distraction. And along that path, a lot of people were trying to get me to do stuff or pull me away from that core activity. Why would they try to do that? Uh, because, you know, they want some of your attention, you know, they want you to help them. They want you to do this, they want you to do that. And, um, what I'm aware of is you just have to make like an intentional purposeful decision, which I did. So, you know, that had to do with how I structured my business. So I have a transaction coordinator. You ask me a question, a DM, you're like, should I get one now? Or should I wait? I'm like, dude, immediately right now, instantaneously. I am so because glad you, I messaged you. You need to pull that out of what it is that you're doing on a regular basis. Cause remember when I said you only get paid to prospect lead, follow up, go on appointments, negotiate, you don't get paid to mess with like transactions when they're already, you know, kind of in hundred percent. Right? So then I hired somebody to kind of input listings cause I don't get paid to do that shit. That's administrative work. Right. So that had to like, so with that awareness, I was able to structure my environment where all I do 
literally. And to this day, it's all I do. I prospect, leave follow up, go on appointments. And now I coach people and that's it. Right. Everything else is secondary and anything else that you can delegate, delegate. And um, one thing I really, I, uh, okay. As far as listings, cause you mentioned that listings are the primary are the focal point of everything. Uh, some, I spoke to someone and they said that, you know, do, being that I'm new, it may be easier to get some buyer leads and, you know, represent the buyers. That person was saying that, you know, it's not realistic to just get listings my first year. It's more realistic maybe to, to have a mixture of both. What do you feel about that? How do you feel about that? I mean, uh, I know my on? experience is, is that um, the buy side is not predictable and duplicatable. The buy side is much more time intensive. Uh, the buy side, honestly, and I mean this lovingly, it's not really a skilled activity. You're just like showing people around and the home sell themselves. You know, they're like, yeah, I want to buy this one. You're okay. I'll write a contract. Right. Um, and in this environment right now with inventory so low and demand so high, I mean, you're going to have to write like 10 offers on, on before you get one to stick. You're going to get outbid multiple times, right? It's, it's a very difficult kind of environment. So I know you can't be world-class at both. That's my experience. Mm -hmm. And I have to go deep, right? I know where the, all the leverage is. I know what the hardest skilled activity is. I know where all the money is really, right? So if that's what's true, I want to go deep down the well, on that activity and so how do you completely turn them down? committed to it. So like for me, you know, I had the good fortune where my, when I graduated from um, the university of Florida, my wife, she got a job at the Princeton review and she wasn't, I mean, maybe she made 18,000 bucks and that's like magna cum laude. You know what I mean? And, uh, but that was enough to pay all of our expenses. So it didn't matter if I made money or not. Hmm. So then I just went deep down the rabbit hole, like uh, on listings. Right. And then I just made a commitment to where, like even right now, dude, I don't own an e-key. Like I wouldn't be able to even show properties even if somebody wanted me to. I'm completely committed to listing property. That's my skill set. That's what I do. And what's interesting is because I've gone deep down that well, now people ask me to teach them that skill. So you have to go deep, right? In order to master something. And if I was right. going to master something in this game, I would master listings, period. Well, how do you do the EQ? When you say you don't, you don't have an EQ, how do you, how do you pay someone to handle that? Like what, how does that work? Uh, well, I would just hand it off to like a buyer's agent who would show property for me. I, I, I wouldn't do that. Okay. And then another question is when you have a friend, say you have a friend or a friend of a friend who wants to buy a home, how do you tell them, well, listen, I'm a listing agent. I don't do that. That's the tough yeah, part. So, so I'd be for like, me, listen, it's we hard. Really appreciate, we really appreciate the opportunity to serve you and to help you. Uh, what I'm aware of is we have a, a specialist on our team. She's a buyer's agent. She's fantastic. And that's her specialty. And that's what she does. And she can actually serve you at a higher level. I would still oversee the whole process. And I'm always available to you to ask any questions. She'll just kind of show you around and open doors. When it comes time to write a contract, we can hop on a Zoom call and have a conversation. Uh, and uh, you'll be in great hands with her. And here's her contact information. I'll have her reach out right away. So what do you Sound suggest okay? I do? That's, that's amazing. So what do you, but you know, you, how early on did you do that? Because for me, uh, since I'm so new, how would I do that for myself? What would you suggest? It's just a commitment issue, bro. You know what that makes me think about? It's like uh, the chicken and the pig. So what I mean by that is in breakfast, right? Let's say somebody ate ham and eggs, if they eat that sort of thing. Well, the chicken was involved <sighs> because they had to lay an egg, but the pig was committed. The pig had to die in order for you to get ham or bacon. So it's like, I just to be, I need to be committed, right? Mm -hmm. To that skill. So like, even now, like, you know, uh, if somebody dropped out of the sky and was like, Hey, I, I need to, I'm going to be coming into Florida and I'm going to be showing, I want to look at 10 homes and I want to write an offer that's going somewhere else. I'm not, I'm going to be like, great. We appreciate the opportunity. Here's the, here's who can help you. Cause I'm a thousand percent committed to that. If that makes sense. Right. And what's interesting, Rafi is as all of our, because our game is undergoing a really interesting shift and change. And we're already starting to see it with like the Zillows of the world and the Redfins and they're taking kind of referral fees and they're lowering like the cost of sales going up and the commissions being squeezed. And what you're seeing happening is the buy side, right? Is becoming less and less valuable. Mm -hmm. So I see buyers agents on teams. They're only getting 30% of the deal. That's it. And some of them are having to pay part of the advertising, like pay in the Zillow, right? Crazy. To be part of the team. 
So like that side is being even, it's being compressed even more, right? Redfin's model is they, their agents are salaried. So what can I do? What do you suggest? You suggest me, how would I get a buyer's, you know, because I'm only a few months in, I, I want to work on listings primarily. Yeah. yeah. My suggestion is, is that you just focus on mastering listing property. So what if I have a friend that wants to buy, I just turn them down even though, cause that's hard. No, to or you, I mean, what I'm aware of is because you're brand new and there's like income and stuff. I'm like, I get that. So I wouldn't be opposed to that. I would just propose that you have minimum standards, like it's certain price point, like certain levels of motivation, you know, and that comes in prequel. So like, I'm curious guys on a scale from one to 10, one being now nah, we're just kind of messing around 10 being, we are definitely going to buy something in the next 90 days. How would you rate your motivation to purchase? So I've been doing that. Not, I'm going to ask it like that because that's much more. It's much more direct. Uh, but I've been saying, listen, because I have some friends that are like, oh, I want to buy, I want to move. I, I am the first from a friend group of about 15, 20 guys from Brooklyn. A lot of my high school buddies were still in touch. And a lot of them now have been thinking of moving to, to Miami or, or a little bit north. And they're, you know, a bunch of them are saying, hey, you know, I want to move, yada, yada. And I'm like, listen, are you just giving me noise or are you actually interested? What's yeah, the time? And it's kind frame? of like like how that dialogue would go is like, listen, you know, I really appreciate the opportunity and the consideration. And what I'd yeah, like to do is just than... ask you a few quick questions just to make sure that I'm fully prepared and I can provide you with the most accurate information and be the best assistance. And I'll be brief because I know your time is valuable. So I guess my first question is, is on a scale from one to 10, one being I'm just kicking tires. Like I'm not, you know, like super motivated to purchase 10 being no. I'm very motivated and I am going to buy something in the next 90 days. How would you rate your motivation to actually make a purchase? Is it an option for you to not buy a home and maybe just rent? Mm -hmm. Right? Like I like dig, right? Have you already met with a lender or do you intend on paying cash? No, we're going to have to meet with a lender. Okay. And have you already had that conversation yet? No. Okay. So here's my suggestion is, is we get you connected with a lender, get you pre-approved. So we know exactly what it is that you can actually spend before we even continue the conversation. Right. Uh, and then from there, we can come up with a game plan as to, um, you know, what would make the most sense to get you into a new home. Does that make sense? Or like, yeah, it makes total sense. And I'm curious, um, you know, I know me and you have connected. Are you kind of going online? Have you begun your search, you know, on Zillow or Redfin or like, where are you at with that? I'm wondering, do you have a lease that you need to, that you're currently in that if we found you something in 90 days, you would have to break in order to, uh, you know, purchase. And are you willing to break it in order to make a purchase? You see what I'm saying? Like dig, dig, mm -hmm. dig, dig, dig. And, mm -hmm. and the idea is, is the ability to ask questions, Rafi, is like a surgeon. It's like playing the violin at a high level. It's like throwing a football at a high level. It's no, it's a skill. And I want people to be surgical with questions because as I'm being surgical, I can kind of sift through and find out is this somebody who actually I can help and deserves all my time, energy, and resources? Because at any given moment, I'm devoting my life to something, mm -hmm. whatever that is. And I want to make sure that if I'm taking time away from my wife, my children, right, my other people, that I can, like that it's, it's, it's a worthy exchange. Does that make sense? Makes so much sense. Makes so much sense. But here's so what's interesting is when I talk to agents, I'm like, hey, how many of you guys are like have a plan around practice? None of them. And I'm like, dude, what are you doing? You realize that there's 200, there's 20,000 agents in our multiple listing service. There's only a hundred that do over 20 million in, in uh, volume a year. Only a hundred, Rafi. That's mm -hmm. it. So that means we have 20,000 people competing for a hundred jobs. I'm wondering if you were going to try to compete with 20,000 people for one of those hundred spots, how would you practice how would you prepare? How would you study? And that's the thing I think most people like they don't, they don't recognize that that's really what's happening. That's really the game. Yeah. I, I, well, I don't know if, if so many people know it, but even if they did know it, they're not willing to put in the time again, like just to simplify things. We, when we spoke yesterday, you were telling me that there's no such thing as this balance. If you want something badly enough, you have to put an, uh, you know, a disproportionate amount of time into it. Yeah, it's so interesting. And I appreciate you bringing that up where one of the clients that I work with, his name is David. He's actually with the Kai's company here locally. And it's interesting because people say to me, they're like, Aaron, you coach people in your own market? And I'm like, yeah, bro, there's way more than enough, like way more than enough, right? 
And when I started working with David, uh, he was doing like 10 deals a year, maybe making like 80 grand, which, okay, that's cool. It was working for him. And he decided to reach out to me, which was a leap, right? And get involved mm-hmm. in like one-on-one because there's a you know strong financial commitment to do that because he was like sick and tired of being sick and tired, right? And part of that kind of onboarding process is I have him fill out a business plan with reasons. You're talking about the same David? I don't know. Uh, perhaps. His name is David St. Martin. He's a okay, no. company. And um, he shared with me the reasons, right? And there are all these beautiful reasons. Like he wanted to take his, his mom on a trip because she's never been out of the country before. He wanted to pay off a house. He wanted to send money back to family in like another country, right? And they were all beautiful reasons. And I was like, all right, well, it's our first call we've ever had one-on-one. And I'm like, listen, dude, um, these are beautiful reasons. So what's your biggest challenge right now? He's like, well, my biggest challenge is getting to the office on time. I was like, all right, well, that has to do with what you're doing the night before. So what are you doing the night before? And he's like, well, you know, sometimes I go out and I stay out a little bit too late and I sleep in. He's in like, sometimes I, I watch Netflix or whatever. And I step a little bit. I said, okay. And it's the first time I've ever really spoken to him. Mm-hmm. And I was like, listen, dude, I mean this with love, but here's what's really true. You value pleasure and entertainment more than you do those reasons that you wrote down. Now, he could have took that like, hey, Aaron's a jerk, right? Like, who the hell does this guy think he is? But he didn't because it was true. And I think what's interesting is we go a lot of our lives being coddled in a way. You know, our parents tell us that we're great. You can do whatever you want, right? And everything's like, oh, yeah. And that actually doesn't serve us. Like, I need to be told where I need a course correction. I need to be told where I'm screwing up. Like, I I need clarity in that so I can improve. So in that instance, he took that piece of information, right? And he got serious. He got serious about his skills. He started role-playing. We got him involved in a role-play group where he was role-playing every single day, five days a week. He started to prospect. He started to work on his skill and improve himself. He started to read books on a regular basis, right? And within 12 months, this guy made $223,000 in a 12-month time span where just the year previously, he was making 80 grand. So what I'm aware of is um, first I need an accurate assessment. Then I need to be told what I need to do. Then I need to reinforce that behavior over and over again. And I need commitment to what it is I'm looking to accomplish. And if you can combine those four things with the last one, which is patience, the Latin derivative of the word patience, Rafi, is patenti. And what it means is to suffer. See, if I don't have what I want, I'm going to suffer a little bit. So your ability to be patient is really your ability to endure suffering. Yes. Uh, So when you add those five things together, right, we drastically overestimate what we can do in one year and drastically underestimate what we can do in a decade. So I started the beginning of my career, $13,000. At the end of a 10-year decade, I was earning seven figures in selling real estate. It's amazing. I love that. I'm getting a little, I'm getting so excited <laughs> because honestly, I, I have a long way to go, but I think I'm already implementing a lot of these things. I, I'm very, you know, I, I don't want to get all like, I'm this and I'm that, but I, I wake up early and I have my schedule and I have to improve on the little things. I always have to course correct and, and focus on the tiny little details that need refining. You know, I, I don't go out during the week. I, I'm up at, 6 a.m. sometimes earlier, sometimes a little bit later, but almost every day, six days a week, I'm at the gym before. And I just have to keep that schedule. And, and, you know, the patience is so important. I love what you said. I've never heard that before. I didn't know it comes from a Latin word. And that's really a a huge issue that we have nowadays is this inability to delay instant gratification for the things that we really want. And it's like, you know, I'll just, I'll just have this brunch and I'll just buy these things to, to sugarcoat and cover up the, the, the reality that I don't have the bigger things that I want. Yeah. And I think if you look, I think if you look at nature, uh, you can see the way it actually is. So the way it actually is, is like if me and you had a garden Mm -hmm. and we planted seeds, Like we could stand over those seeds with a bullhorn and yell at them and be like, God damn it. You should be growing, grow faster. You should be big. You should have, you should be already have a whole bunch of oranges and a whole bunch of apples on like, right. 
which, okay, we could do that. But if we saw somebody doing that from a distance, me and you would be like, yo, that person lost their mind. Like they need somebody <laughs> to call like the cops, right? But how often do we do that in our own life? Yeah. You know, you work out once, you're like, yo, I should be diesel. Or you make one prospecting call, you're like, they should have like listed the property with me. When that's not the way nature works. Yep. Like the way it works is, is, you know, there's a story in the Bible about planting seeds, where when you plant seeds, sometimes the birds get them. Happens. Mm -hmm. Let's say you plant seeds and then it floods. Happens. And then one, one, then you plant seeds and then there's a drought. Happens. However, the way it is on planet Earth, if you dutifully and purposefully and intentionally continue to plant seeds, eventually seeds will hit soil. And once they do, they will give you a bounty that's so big that it'll be more than enough for you. So the challenge is, is like recognizing that that's what I'm doing. This is a farming process. It's not a cramming process. And anything worth having in your life is farming. If you want to have a meaningful relationship with your significant other, that's a farming process, not a cramming process. You can't cram that into like a weekend holiday. That's not going to do it. If you want to have like well-adjusted, productive members of society that are children, that is, not a farm, that is not a cramming process. You can't cram that into like, you know, a week. That's like a, a farming over an extended period of time. If you want to have finances that are built on a strong financial foundation, that is a farming process, not a cramming process. That's not like you win the lottery, right? If you want to have a productive, live, vibrant, dynamic real estate business, that is a farming process. It is not a cramming process. If you want to learn how to be a skilled salesperson, that's a farming process, not a cramming process, right? So just understanding that and embracing it. It's so valuable how it all everything in life ties into this, this concept. Yeah, 100%. And it's applied to everything. So once you get this, like the discipline, and I want you to recognize this, like the discipline that you have going to the gym daily is no different than the discipline that it takes to sit in a room and make phone sure. calls for three hours a day. And another it's thing, no Aaron, it's no different than the discipline to sit and meditate for 20 minutes in a, every day. It's no, so it's no different than the discipline that it takes to write out, you know, my goals and objectives every, it's, it's the same. So true. And people come up to me and they're like, oh man, like you're so disciplined. I'm like, dude, you're equally as disciplined. They're like, no, I'm not. I'm like, yes, you are. Let me ask you a few questions. They're like, okay. I'm like, how many times did you check your Instagram account today? How many times did you check it this week? Does a day go by without you checking it? Okay, so you're crazy consistent in that area. I'm curious, <laughs> has there been a show that you've watched on Netflix the whole way through? Yeah. Did it take consistency in order to get to the end of the, you know, six seasons of whatever it was? Yes. So here's the thing. You're applying consistency. You're just applying it in areas Wrong, that don't serve you. Yes. Yes. This, just as discipline, just in the wrong field, in the wrong thing. Yeah. It's so interesting. And then the thing about working out is I've been doing it for years. So I already have results that I want. Like I, I'm, you know, I, I already have developed muscle over time. So for me, I'm, I'm thankful that I put in all that time years ago. So I'm not, you know, in my twenties now and just starting out and your son, your son just opened the door behind Did you. He? And he just, he uh, peeked in. What's up, bro? <laughs> it was funny. I'm glad we were going to have that in there. <laughs> so uh, we, with, with the, with the gym, I'm already seeing those results. So I know what it takes. And now for me, I want to get stronger. I have certain workout goals. I put it on my 411. And for whoever doesn't know, 411 is an action plan, a way to strategize, uh, every day of your business really leading up to a year and then five years, you know, someday goals. So now that I, that I know what the gym can do, after having that patience and going day in and day out and day in and day out, I'm at the point, I mean, I've been at this point, but I love going for me. It's not this burden of, Oh, I have to go and lift in the morning. I yes. fucking love it. Hey, love you it. know, what's you know, what's really interesting is I, I know what you're saying because I love prospecting. Yeah. I love following my schedule every day because I know that, when I do that, that is the mechanism that it's, it's the vehicle that will allow me to create the life by design. Everything that I want in my life is linked with that activity. Every single thing, right? So, um, yeah, I mean, what you're saying is absolutely true. And it's kind of like if somebody was to come to you and they see you in the gym and you're like, you know, physically fit or whatever, then they're like, yeah, I've been doing this for a week and it hasn't worked. <laughs> yeah, you'd exactly what you just did. Naturally, you'd laugh at them like, okay. <laughs> Like you don't get it. 
That's like what people come to me. They're like, oh, I made calls for a week and I didn't get a listing. I'm like, okay. Right. But then also it takes to, to, to real quick, hold your thought if there is one. I just wanted to, the best part is all of that initial early stage frustration goes away. And if anything, you get the opposite. Once you get to that stage where you're seeing even some sort of result, you're like, wow, this is working. I can do this. And then when you get to a, you know, there's always progression, but once you get to a point where it's really working out, you know, you're benching over 200 pounds or you're benching 300 pounds. You're like, wait a minute, I'm good at this. I don't want to stop doing this. I can even get better if I want to, but at least I can maintain this. It's blissful because you remember all that time that you put in, but the pain all goes away in a sense. You don't forget about it, but it goes away because you know that you've done what it takes to achieve it. You know, yeah, and like, then it's, well, what just came up for me is uh, what you do daily is who you become permanently. Mm -hmm. What you do daily is who you become permanently. So, um, yeah, dude, I mean, that's the formula. It's not magic. Nobody sprinkled magical like sales dust on me and like, whammo, I became like a great salesperson. No, I get rewarded in public for what I spent countless hours doing in private. I role played twice a day, six days a week for three years. Okay. I hand wrote out the listing presentation by hand, 90 days straight. I would sit in a room and chant scripts out loud over and over again. I would videotape myself. I would record myself, right? Uh, so that way I can improve on it. So if I can sit in a room, you know, I could be in a room of a thousand people and do a live role play in front of everybody. Like it's nothing. And people are like, wow. But I'm like, no, 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 you don't understand. What you're seeing is what I did countless hours doing in private. Wow. Yeah, it's phenomenal. I definitely have to work on scripts for sure. Because with presentations, I can be kind of, it's hard for me to screw. It's not hard. I can... <laughs> <laughs> wife came in <laughs> <laughs> I, can um, I can definitely um i'm definitely gonna work on it when i say hard i don't mean like oh it's too hard i'm just i haven't you know i haven't put enough time and, and effort into it yeah, when i go to I houses just being that you're kind of like you know newer is uh to, i would want you to like kind of conceptually think about like how you go to the gym role-playing is the is the equivalent of going to the gym in being a salesperson. Okay. And I have to put in reps. Like I can't yeah. outsource. I'd love to outsource pushups, brother. I'd love to be able to hire like a VA in like the Philippines who could do pushups and I get the result. Do you though? <laughs> what do you mean? Cause I personally love doing it. Like I, that's what I'm saying. Like I personally, no, but like, like I mean, I'm, I'm sure if you <laughs> had an option where you could outsource it and then you still got the result on like those few days where maybe you didn't feel like doing it or whatever. Like, yeah, and I think most of the population would love to outsource that and still get the result. Yeah, well, yeah, in a can't. sense. I, I actually like, no, for me, I, I genuinely like bench pressing and uh, squatting here and there. Squatting, so maybe squatting, we can say, we can say that about to a degree. I yeah, like squatting, so if, but it If depends. you could outsource like ass to the grass squats, yeah. you probably would. Like, you know what I mean? And not even always, but some of the time. Yeah, but some, some of the, the time. times, exactly. That's my point. So, yeah. um, and there's just certain things that you can't outsource. I can't outsource skill development. And that's the kind of thing where like, you have to be good. You have to be very, very good. You're walking into people's houses and asking them for 10, 20, 30, $40,000. Like what? You don't wing that shit. It's too important. Like you have to know what you're doing. Yeah. Yeah. hundred percent. A hundred percent. I, I, that's, I couldn't agree more. It's so important to understand the, the magnitude of that, like what that really means. Hello, can I have 50 grand? Uh, no. <laughs> yeah, that's exactly right. You know, uh, let's see. Now, I wanted to go into delegating. So we, we talked about this. We did talk about this in the episode thus far. I wanted to go into it a little more to give people the, the understanding of maximizing time to do to cover the 20%. Yeah. So what people need to understand kind of like a mental map is that there's income producing activities and income servicing activities. And most agents spend 80 to 90% of their time on income servicing activities and 10% or less on income producing activities. And that's why the average production of an agent in our MLS system is four homes all year long. 
That's what's average. Okay. So what constitutes income servicing is listing coordination, transaction coordination, and marketing. What constitutes income producing is what I call your plan, P-L-A-N. It's an acronym. Prospecting, lead follow-up, go on appointments, negotiate. So the idea is, is I want to create an environment and a system in which I flip that. So I spend 80% of my time plus on income producing activities and 20% or less on income servicing activities. And the way I do that is with systems, right? Because systems increase capacity. So like having a checklist of what needs to happen when a listing right, is taken mm-hmm. and then creating videos and maybe housing them on Loom and then hiring a VA and paying them seven bucks an hour to input it for you. Or on transaction coordination, you hire a TC immediately and you give them a checklist and they start to do that, right? So mm-hmm. these are ways that you can cleave yourself out of those activities. You'll still be probably perhaps overseeing them, but you won't be involved in like all the calls and emails and phone calls and like all that other stuff, right? Right. So in the beginning, or though, simple I... things like, you know, agents, they, they, uh, they put out their own lockboxes. Why are you doing that? Mm-hmm. You don't get paid to do that. Uh, they sit with the photographer when they take pictures. Why? Are you a photographer? Right. That's such. By the way, I probably would have done that. Yeah, I know you. Would. I literally. It's so funny that I'm so happy you mentioned this. So, wh- I, you suggest telling them, maybe telling them what kind of shots to take. Usually, they don't even need to be told. They know. They know what. They're professional photographers, bro. Yeah, they know. So you don't Why have to am be I there. Tell them what to do. Like it's silly. Okay. The only thing is, like, if I'm going to say I'm going to a condo, I have the key. I let them in. You know, you just kind of tell them do to it? come and pick up the key. Huh? You tell them yeah. to come to you, pick up the key, go put a lockbox on the door and take pictures. <laughs> That's so good. It's so easy. <laughs> but the thing is, no one told me this. And it doesn't, I don't necessarily need to be told this. Some of you can come up with on your own. It's just funny how like no one, I don't know. I, it's funny. I literally would have done exactly what you said not to do. <laughs> Exactly. Or like agents sit at inspections. Why? Are you a professional home inspector? They're going to give you a report. You can read the report. Oh, you're giving me you so figure much out what's advice. wrong. Like, why, why am I there? It's stupid. Wow. What am I going to do? We, I just do nothing. I sit on my phone the whole time. It's a waste of time. So it's just understanding these things and then, you know, creating an, uh, a system that allows you to, um, you know, not spend a lot of time there. And then the other thing that happens is, is because agents, they're, they're not generating on a regular basis. So they're overly attached to like outcomes. Mm-hmm. So they'll have like a deal and they'll like, they'll hover over that deal. You know, like just hovering over it like the whole time, making sure everything's okay and like blah, blah, blah. But all that hovering prevents you from going and doing more deals. Yeah. So this, this is something I've, this, this I can say I've, I've, because I was in sales prior, I learned this the hard way. And I'm very thankful that now as a realtor, I understand that already. I've learned from those mistakes. You have to have that wheel spinning constantly, constantly. Even if you're a few years in and you have this, you know, your, your mother's friend's daughter's uh, dog and this guy and this guy and that woman and this woman sending you referrals, you still have to keep the wheel spinning. If yeah. you want to remain stagnant, you're okay with the 10 deals a year, 15 deals a year, even 20 deals a year. Great. Just don't complain that you wanted X amount of things or you wanted to do these things. You don't have the money. You didn't put the time in. You don't want to call. You don't want to prospect outside of your referrals. This is what you're going to get. So the idea of just having that one deal and saying, okay, well, I have one deal. I'm good. I'll make 10K. What happens if the deal falls through? What happens if the deal closes? Now you have nothing again. Now you got to go find more things. Well, that and I think people's concept of what's a lot is like warped because Again, 65% of people, you know, live paycheck to paycheck. So 65% of people, they've been exposed to that and that's their environment. So when I talk to agents, you know, it's like, how much money do you want to make? They have, they say like a hundred grand. Like that's like the magic number, right? Mm-hmm. I don't know where we came up with that. Well, actually I do know where we came up with that number because if you can't grew up in a house where people made 50, 60 grand a year, a hundred was a lot. And six well, here's figures also, we have this notion in America, 100. six figures. Yeah, it's six figures, right? But a hundred, you're in the 30% tax bracket. So that means 30,000 goes away. Right. Don't click, you know, don't pass go, don't collect 200 bucks, like automatically. That's the rent you pay to live in this country. Okay. You have 70 grand left. You have some business expenses, right? Let's mm-hmm. call that maybe 15,000 in business expenses. Okay, cool. So what do you have left? 55,000 bucks. You have rent, 
you have a car payment, you know, you got to eat, right? You want to take like a trip a year. How much money is left over? Yeah, practically Not that much, nothing. right? Like 10,000, maybe 50,000. Mm. And can you really get ahead on that, right? So the concept of what's a lot needs to be bigger. And to put that in perspective is in our county, just in a county, there's 3,000 to 5,000 transactions per month on average. So let's go with the low number. There's 3,000 transactions a month. There's a buyer and a seller on each side. That means there's 6,000 opportunities to get paid. And if the average commission is 6,000 bucks, let's go with that. That means there's $36 million per month that's being paid out in commissions. The question is, how much do you want? Do you want 5,000 of that? You want 10,000 of that? You want 100,000? Who would notice 100,000 out of 36 million? Nobody. It's going to go somewhere. I just want it to go to me. That's so good. There's abundance. There's a ton of it. It's just how much, do you, how much of it do you want? That's really what it is. Yeah, right? and making yourself valuable enough to, to be other deserving. humans that they're willing to give it to you. Yes, yes, precisely. Yeah. Wow. Okay. Well, we covered a, a hell of a lot of ground, I'd say. Wouldn't you say? Yeah, I think so, man. I've, I've appreciated uh, you know, the opportunity to share with your audience. I appreciate uh, the invitation. And hopefully this conversation was helpful or useful to somebody. If I could be of service to them, if I can help them in any way, they can find me uh, at Aaron Novello on Instagram. Um, yes, we'll definitely drop a, drop a link for that. Yep. And then we have our own, uh, you know, our own kind of podcast, the Aaron Novello podcast. And then there's www.aaronnovello.com, which is for the coaching and training and speaking stuff that we do. Yes. I, I implore all of you to check it out. I, I may definitely want to check to, to do the coaching with you at some point. I'm glad that I at least got this free hour. I, I uh, definitely, definitely took advantage of that. That's for sure. I, I really gained so much. I, thank you so much. It was, it was an extremely valuable uh, almost hour and I, I thank you again for joining. I'm very glad I got to have you on. This really, these these minutes, these these last couple of minutes, well, the entire episode was just extremely valuable because there were a couple of things that I wasn't doing yet. Um, I'm happy to say that I think most of, I am doing, I am implementing, and a lot of these concepts I've already understood. Uh, for me, it's just a question of being honest with myself not bullshitting myself when I'm not doing the time or I'm not, I'm not time blocking or I'm not focusing on the, on the 20%. I have to really snap into it and say, you are not going to produce the results you want if you're not internally, you know, you're not internalizing everything and doing what you actually need to do. So, so thanks again, Aaron. And uh, ladies and gentlemen, make sure to check out his website, his Instagram, uh, join him for coaching he has a phenomenal knowledge and he's been doing this for a very, very long time. This has been another episode of Soothing Semantics. Until next time.